Welcome to Wisdom Personified, Conversations with Dudum Somi, a passionate and relentless pursuit of exploring how individuals use good judgment in everyday life, both in their personal and professional lives. I am so excited today. I'm speaking to Adam Craker, who is the CEO of IQ Business, which is the largest independent management consulting firm. I met you, Adam, a few years ago, yes. when I was introduced to you uh, by Wendy Lucas Ball. That's right. What a privilege. And I've enjoyed our meetings ever since. The privilege was all mine. Thank you so much for giving us the opportunity to chat today. I met you as an adult, so I'm going to try and reverse <laughs> and find <Okay>. out <laughs> what was your upbringing like? Do you have siblings? Where did you grow up? Hmm. And what did you do for your pastimes? Well, I'm still an adult <laughs> at this stage, yes, uh, becoming even more. But mm -hmm. uh, I was born and bred in, in the UK, in London, mm -hmm. and uh, one of four uh, children uh, in, uh, in a family that uh, perhaps uh, my, um, my start to life was not the most mm. ideal. My father passed away in his, uh, in his 30s, early 30s, Gosh, wow. and my mother passed away in her early 40s. Uh, so I was eight when my father passed away and 17 when my mother passed. Uh, so not the best of, uh, best of starts, mm. but uh, my three siblings are um, involved in all sorts of things uh, in the UK and, uh, and Europe, and we see each other from time to time. Yeah, they've never thought of coming down to the continent? Well, they do. In fact, oh. my oldest brother <laughs> yeah. has never been. And, yeah. uh, uh, I've been here now for 22 years, and okay. so that's, a, yeah. you know, I'll send a message to him, I often do. You're almost even... as old as our democracy. Well, exactly. In South Africa. Yeah, there, yeah? You are. Mm -hmm. there you are. Why did you choose to live in South Africa? I mean, for myself, I know when I'm outside of South Africa and the continent, I always feel like I'm not at home, mm. because when I look around, nobody looks like me. Mm. Um, but what makes you feel home in Africa, and what has your experience been like? Well, what uh, led Dudi to me deciding to come to South Africa was that uh, I, was, I was studying in Switzerland. I was mm -hmm. actually doing my MBA and I made great friends with a South African that was also there. Mm -hmm. And uh, Good show. Who was that? Uh, a guy called Norman Jones. Norman Thank you, Norman Jones. Jones. And, and he <laughs> yeah. and I embarked on a, an exploration for the first time in 1996 when I came down to South Africa. And two years after the first democratic elections, uh, there was a great deal of uncertainty, uh, but I really loved the uh, atmosphere mm. of what was happening. And strangely enough, um, I had met my wife um, several years earlier. We weren't married at that stage. Yeah. We got married the first year we came here. Oh. But okay. we had met in the Nelson Mandela bar um, at the <laughs> University of Warwick. Science so everywhere. There is, there's yeah. science. Yeah. And, and then also, strangely enough, um, we, uh, when we got engaged, and we had quite a long um, courtship yes. of 10 years, I had to be certain. Um, <laughs> uh, when we got I engaged... I thought people know the first time they meet someone. Well, yeah, you do. But, uh, we <laughs> yeah. decided to go to London to go and buy an engagement ring. Mm -hmm. And the day that we arrived in London at Charing Cross Station, we mm -hmm. walked out and there were crowds of people. We didn't really know what was going on. We followed the crowd. In fact, the crowd picked us up literally yeah. and took us down. And we ended up in Trafalgar Square, standing outside of South Africa House. Yes. 
And who walks out of South Africa House not, onto the balcony? Not our Madiba. He did. And uh, there we were looking up, yeah. straight up his nostrils. Wow. <laughs> and uh, that was another sign. Mm. And we said, well, I think it's time. This is we it. should come and, uh, and have an experience that we thought would only be for two or three years, mm. but now is uh, 22. So I've completely overstayed my welcome by, uh, by this No, we stage. still enjoy having you. You're a great value to us. What do you think your unique value proposition is, especially when you're not in the own country? Yeah. I think some of those distinctiveness are even more pronounced. What do you think makes you memorable and impactful in spaces? It's a very interesting question because um, I, I, I guess I only started to think about that as I've matured or got a little bit, mm. little bit older. Yeah. Um, as I was 49, about to turn 50, I began to think about my own personal purpose yeah. and why am I here and what has led me to this point. And I went all the way back to my childhood to really think through those formative years and the, um, the pressures or the challenges that I faced and the adversity that I faced. Mm. Uh, and and how my life has really um, meandered through various yeah. experiences. And I, I came up with a view that um, uh, because of my nature, because of my approach to things, I, I tend to be quite an optimistic person. Uh, but I, I believe my unique value proposition is that I can help others face adversity and uh, think creatively um, about how to... Uh, react to mm. that adversity. Yeah. And um, I, I've really, I think, harnessed my own energy around that. And, and that's really what's, uh, that's what I do. So mm. I, I focus on uh, helping in, in an organisation like IQ Business. Invariably, our clients are facing adversity on a day-to-day -day basis and they need individuals and teams to be able to help them through that. Yeah. Which is a perfect um, segue to asking this what have you learned about the human spirit, having lost your parents at such a young mm. age? You know, mm. what has helped you to survive and thrive? Well, there are, there are particular individuals in my life that I can think back to. My grandparents, for example, played a, a really pivotal role in, in my life with my parents uh, not there. Uh, and then individuals that, uh, from a business perspective and from a mm. school perspective, firstly, uh, that really were pivotal in my life, that uh, gave me direction, uh, which might have involved using their foot um, mm. to plant it up my backside um, uh, on several occasions. Because <laughs> um, you were out of order. I was out of order, or uh, I think as a youngster, sometimes uh, we can uh, perhaps play to the, to the situation or use yeah. the situation as an excuse. Um, and it was only when I uh, got to university that I really understood how to learn. Uh, and as I've subsequently found, um, uh, my tendency is to be very ADHD and uh, uh, I had to really harness my own learning method and approach. Uh, but the people along the way in particular at a very early stage, I was very fortunate to receive a, an internship from a, a quite a significant company in the UK uh, who um, uh, didn't, um, I think, take charity or didn't have a perspective that they, you know, here's this orphaned yeah. youngster, but they saw potential. And they saw more potential than perhaps I actually had an appreciation yeah. of. 
Uh, and you they, sometimes need that, isn't it? Absolutely, absolutely. And, and that human spirit of having an individual or an executive in a company uh, provide you with a hand up to, to basically mm. get into uh, a working environment uh, was really, really pivotal in my, in my life at an early stage. Yeah. Because obviously we understand being South African, the majority of us as African people, what we've been through. Mm. How do you have that conversation with somebody when their circumstances seem to be so overwhelming mm. to not see themselves as a victim? Because sometimes we give ourselves an excuse and we're always pointing at somebody else. And in South Africa, we're most likely to point at white people and white privilege. How, what conversation can you have with somebody mm. that you can draw from your own experience to mm. say, look, I was an orphan, but but they will still say, gosh, you still got white privilege. You mm. know, how would you counteract that? Well, my situation, uh, I think even, even today in, in the UK, for example, is, is relatively unusual. Mm. In the South African context, it's actually pretty commonplace yeah. that, uh, that youngsters are, um, if not orphaned, they're perhaps home alone uh, or being brought up by grandparents. Yeah, children lead households way. and so Absolutely. Africa, yes. Absolutely. So, I think what it taught me was really uh, that uh, uh, the adults that are participating in the economy need to be engaged, need to be looking to the youngsters uh, in our society and finding ways to help them to, uh, to progress. And the conversation I think that you um, are referring to is around um, showing that there's an understanding um, but also uh, very much the experience that I had was that, uh, well, what are you going to do about it? Yes. You, can, you can either react to it and, and feel forlorn or um, downtrodden or use it as an excuse, as I was saying earlier on, or it can really drive one yeah. forward with Energize an energy. Energise you yeah. into something Absolutely. positive. What book have you read this, uh, this mm. year thus far and why are you going to tell me about it? What well, impression did it leave? It left a huge impression. Um, in fact, over, over the uh, summer holidays, I was reading uh, Time magazine. Mm -hmm. And, you know, Bill Gates um, every year does a list of five books mm -hmm. that over the year have been pivotal in his life. And I was flicking through, and one of his books um, is a book called Meditation and Mindfulness mm -hmm. uh, by Andy Puddicombe. And he just said that uh, having read the book, uh, it's really changed his life and mm. his perspective. And uh, it was another one of those, uh, you know, the universe moving in interesting yeah, yeah. ways that uh, I went to Bangalore in January this year mm -hmm. to attend an ashram for a week oh, and nice. to learn how to meditate. Gosh, and I so, should try that. I'll tell you what, it's amazing. The brain can my mind can take a break. Well, it's very, very important. <laughs> yes. It is very important. So yeah. last year, uh, IQ Business won the Conscious Companies Awards. Mm. And the prize... Congratulations. Thank you. Thank yeah. you very much. But the prize was that the CEO uh, would be sent to an ashram for a week, wow. for a week of spiritual That's focus. That's a nice award. Oh, it's great. It yeah. was amazing. Vegetarian food, yeah. um, treatments and therapies, 
and learning. So that's that's learning. my life. Well, it is. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's my treatments and therapies. Well, yeah. it, was, it was a profound yes. experience. It really was. I actually okay. went with the winner of the NGO category, uh, Mark Lubner, the CEO oh, yes. of Africa yes. Ticket. He's yes. uh, just an amazing individual. Yes, he is. Um, my he wife has spoken at partner. some of my seminars. Oh, really? Yeah. Amazing guy. Yeah. And okay. uh, we had the experience together with Brenda Carley, the CEO of Conscious Companies. Mm. And uh, the book Bangalore, yes. had, had really teed me up. In mm. fact, Brenda said to me, throw the book away. She said, don't, mm. don't bother with the book. You're going to have the real experience. And it really was an amazing Has experience. it changed your life? It has, yeah, very much. Wow, that's something. Okay, on my bucket list, I'm adding that now. You have to. Okay. Yeah. What uh, do you desire to leave as a legacy, both encompassing your career and, and personal life? Well, I feel I'm on a bit of a journey at this point, and I'm not, uh, I'm not at the legacy stage yet. That's yeah. a long, long time. Mm, but long you, time you're building away. it as you're going. Yeah, mm -hmm. um, and uh, I tend to have a view that uh, I want to be happy in what I'm yeah. doing, mm. but I'm not sure I will ever be contented. Mm. And that legacy moment, perhaps the contentment might happen, you know, that scene of being on my deathbed, surrounded by my loved ones, mm. and hopefully at that point I'll be able to say I feel contented. Yeah. I don't really want to feel contented along oh, the way. Because you just relax then. Yeah. You're, you're not as driven. Absolutely. Yeah. There's more to do. And what we're really trying to do um, with, uh, I mean, this chapter of my life at IQ Business is one that I really hope is going to go on for many, many years. And the legacy is around uh, really achieving our vision and our purpose. What is your vision? Our vision is to be the leading independent management consulting firm in Africa. In Africa? In Africa. We believe it's high time that Africa had its own business services capability, yeah. that mm. we shouldn't be so dependent on the international firms so, that are here. We understand we our own. environment better, Yeah, we think. Mm. Yeah. So well, that's, the, that's the focus. That's the desire to really build something of great significance. Yeah. Are you operating in any of the countries that we are? Yeah. We are. We are operating in Kenya, in Ghana and in Mauritius. At great. Yeah. Well, well done. Mm. Good luck with that. Thank you. Yeah. Uh, what's the most courageous decision you've taken so, so far in your life? The one thing I think can only pop to mind there. I mean, I'm now, um, this is my 10th year mm -hmm. at, uh, at IQ Business. Yeah. And I spent 10 years in listed uh, companies in South Africa mm -hmm. and 10 years in consulting mm -hmm. um, in my formative years. So in my 30th year, and I reflect back over those 30 years, the most courageous moment really came about uh, eight years ago yeah. when I moved from being an employee to an owner. Wow. And the most courageous decision, I think, is actually to transition yeah. from you know, working in corporates or working in, in a business environment and being an employee to wow. being an owner. Yeah. And uh, that requires... That responsibility. Oh, it's, uh, it's a big step. It's, uh, it's not something that one can do. Um, you know, when I go home and say to my wife, we're bonding the house. And she yeah. says, well, why are we doing it? Well, because I want to invest in my company or taking that, uh, that serious step of putting skin in the game yeah. uh, is, is the most courageous thing, I think, in terms of a, a career, whether it's starting a new business mm. or buying into a business in the way that I did yes. uh, with IQ Business. It's, uh, it's a very, very important pivotal point in one's career. Not everybody is prepared to do it and shouldn't uh, perhaps uh, 
take that step, but uh, I, I found it to be a really important step. And you sleep well at night? I sleep like a baby, uh, much to my <laughs> wife's annoyance. I take, when my head hits the pillow, yes. if I make it to 30 seconds before oh I'm gosh, asleep, that, that's unusual. You are lucky. I'm very, I, I'm out yeah. um, in, a, in a flash. I tend to wake up very early in the, in mm -hmm. the morning. I tend to be awake uh, by four o'clock in the morning, but I don't have to set an alarm. That's when I, that's when I wake up. Um, and, and that's when my mind really starts uh, starts going. But mm. I, I sleep, I sleep well. Yeah, one day, even as a child, I've never been able to. So it's fine. <laughs> I've made peace with it. Um, in the Sunday Times last year, mm. on the fourth of February, you said the state capture inquiry is a perfect opportunity for South Africa to do the right thing. What did yes. you mean? I reflect at the moment as I watch the uh, the process at the Zondo Commission that. I have this feeling of deja vu that it's very similar to um, the TRC that we experienced in the late 1990s. Um, the parallel, though, is that the TRC really focused, of course, on the crimes against humanity, the appalling uh, apartheid regime and the effect that that had on the lives of so many. Um, the Zondo Commission are considered to be TRC 2.0. But the focus is no longer on crimes against humanity, but it's uh, the crimes of corruption and corrupt business practice or corrupt uh, state capture. Uh, but I, th I think it has a very similar um, uh, effect. The interesting thing is that um, I think we were much more forgiving in the first iteration than we are now. And there's something in the human spirit that finds, um, and maybe it's a, a degree of jealousy, um, or there's a degree of, um, I, I don't know what the, the, the factor is, but when we, see, when we see that people have gained wealth or uh, that they have benefited from the, uh, the corrupt practices that are being exposed in the Zondo Commission, there's a real drive to see these people put in jail. Uh, we didn't see that in the first TLC. I think we've got to learn uh, from uh, from this developmental cycle that we're in. I'm not saying that we should simply forgive. Um, I, I think at a minimum, uh, we should expose the, uh, the process that has taken place in South Africa. And by the way, it's not just limited to here. It's a international network of crime that has found a soft spot here to really focus and uh, uh, and develop ill-gotten gains here. So that's the, really the motive, I think, that, uh, that uh, inspired the article that I wrote yeah. uh, earlier this year. But also it is uh, impugning human dignity, because when all those billions are wasted, mm. um, it is inexcusable for Africans to still be living in the way they're living. Absolutely. I mean, Absolutely. it's one of the richest countries in the world. Yeah. 55 million people. Yeah. No excuse. If, if, if you have a job here in South Africa, um, your standard of living is far higher in general than other places around the world. Yeah. Um, but the problem is not very many people have a job here yeah. and we have massive youth unemployment and challenges to So uh, just to imagine if we had had free education sure. since 1994 yeah. and we focused on STEM education, mm how far we could have been. Absolutely, you know? absolutely. So those are the things for me that 
make me angry. Oh, we, we should all be you angry know, about yeah. it, but we should all be doing something now about it. And yeah. I would like to suggest that we're all complicit to some yes, extent in how we got here. This is why you can't point fingers, because no. there's no way 10 years would have passed us by without mm. us not. It's actually an article that I'm working on, but right. I'm finding it difficult to articulate it. But mm. anyway, what suggestion would you give to people who want to help each other? We're just speaking now about corruption. Mm. Whether you're in the public sector or private sector, how do you help people give them a leg up mm. without falling foul of uh, corrupt practices? Mm. Well, there, there's, a, there's a real change that is happening not only in South Africa but around the world, which... Yeah. Uh, uh, is coming from a movement called the B Corporation movement. And uh, B Corporation, so IQ Business is a B Corporation. And being a B Corporation is not one less than an A Corporation. It's actually B stands for better. Um, it's really a new cycle and new focus that has taken uh, great momentum from people like uh, Sir Richard Branson or Ratan Tata or um, Dr. Mo Ibrahim, um, there are 28 global leaders who have come together over the years to really look at ways that we can catalyze a new form of capitalism. It might sound a bit idealistic, but as a B Corporation, our role is to look beyond the profit motive in our business, to look at how we can impact the society and the environment and the general economy that we operate in. Uh, and I think the challenges that we face in South Africa really warrant business getting engaged and involved and partnering with government, partnering with civil society to tackle those challenges. And there are very small things that, that can be done by individuals as individual citizens, or there are much greater things that uh, small, medium uh, enterprises can, uh, can be involved with, uh, or for that matter, the major corporations uh, in South Africa can get engaged with. Mm. It is a tough one because mm. uh, you do want to help people mm. and oh you also want help but people then say oh I know you that's gonna be called conflict of interest. Yeah. Well it, it, uh, it potentially can and we've seen we've seen uh, many situations where uh, individuals have um, uh, have been very self-centered in their transactions or in their motive as opposed to really thinking about the society or the environment that, uh, that they're operating in. We've seen um, so many uh, issues, I think, coming to the, uh, to the fore, and we have to stop that. We have to uh, draw a line, and uh, if uh, individuals are choosing to be in government, then they must be in government. They cannot straddle the line between government and, uh, and business. And have and business interests in line absolutely. and funneling absolutely. all the business to those companies. Yeah. Yeah. Yep, South Africa, mm. in, in an interesting time. Mm. When you first came to South Africa, you mentioned that you had somebody that you did an MBA with. Yes. But outside of that, how did you build networks? You know, sometimes mm. when you come mm. into uh, virgin territory, can we call mm. it, uh, how do you start constructing and building a life and networks so that you can thrive in this environment? Mm. It's always a challenge, I think, moving to a new country. Yeah. Um, and there's, there's so many uh, new things, new ways to learn uh, there. I, I think firstly one must just be open to new experiences and have an open mind to get out of one's comfort zone. Mm. 
not always saying, oh, we wouldn't do that in the UK. No, no, mm-hmm. it's... Uh, yeah, it's, uh, we do not appreciate comments like that. No, exactly, <laughs> exactly. And if I think to some of the initial relationships that I made, some of the, you know, the reason why we stayed in yeah. Johannesburg was because of the people. Yeah. Oh, um, no, we are nice, amazing, aren't we? Amazing. Uh, I mean, just... Despite what is said about our country. Yeah. We really are yeah, very human beings. And there's a big difference, as we know, yes. between Johannesburg and Cape Town. And there's a big difference really? between the people. There is. There is a big difference. <laughs> very much. And we just found so we found it so easy to make friends uh, that um, clients that I met at the time uh, invited me to their homes uh, for a braai. Mm. Um, uh, I've got some. We're good at that. Well, just amazing. Yeah. Just amazing. I mean, in in, in London. Everybody's uh, so insular and yeah. sitting on the tube train with their newspaper mm. folded. So Which that I they find fascinating interact. how people can be sleeping and then they know exactly when to get up. They do. Yeah, they're programmed. <laughs> they know. Yeah. Nobody will wake you up. No, and they're tell just you. like, They won't yeah. help you. But uh, so you're on your own. <laughs> yes. In Johannesburg, they'd help you. Yes. They, they would. would say, you know, have you, isn't mm. this your, mm. your stop? Especially if they're uh, familiar with you, yeah. yeah. So, firstly, I think the people really, really very special. Secondly, my wife, who. Uh, is just very outgoing and, and yeah. part of my network, of course, came from working as a tag team yeah. with my wife and the, that uh, she was really great at getting connected and yeah. meeting the neighbours and, and uh, being interested. She was working at the time as well. Mm. And then thirdly, what's happened over time is with our kids. Mm. Yes. Don't underestimate the, the network that comes yeah. through, through one's children all the way through their education uh, career, um, because we're all in it together as parents. Yeah. It's not easy, it's mm-hmm. not an easy process, but being able to connect with, uh, with parents and build a network through, through children is just yeah. an amazing process. Which I always found fascinating in the BE space in South Africa, mm. how people will go and target strangers to be partners instead of you yes. know, people they go to church with or yes. networks, because you should be sharing similar values with those mm. people than a total stranger. Mm. And then we shocked that our partnerships are not working. Mm. You know, mm. have you kind of tapped into that kind of thinking when you think about your business relationships? Because oh, isn't very it about values ultimately? Absolutely, absolutely has to. and. Uh, I think sometimes we we try to look too far yes. when actually people are that are far closer to us, uh, where there is a chemistry and understanding, uh, and as you say, a, a value, a value system or a value set. Yeah. Uh, which. Uh, but really we're just trying out. to get connected people yeah. to get us through the door, and yeah. then we worry about corruption. Yes. You, know. um, you are said to be an ardent uh, lobbyist for government and business collaboration. Mm. Why? Mm. Well, it goes back to the uh, the B Corporation. Is that where it comes from? Well, it's, okay. it's, it's something that's built up over over time that if we look at the challenges that government is facing in, in South Africa, that if we're really honest, they completely are overwhelmed by um, whether it's the education crisis that we face or the housing issues that, we're, that are there or the state-owned enterprises and the issues that we face there. We, we cannot, as business, um, lager the wagons. Um, that's what happened in Zimbabwe. That's the, the mentality. In fact, there was an unplayable government in, in Zimbabwe, and business basically said, well, let's, let's just keep doing business together and we'll be okay. Well, look at what's happened in the economy 
and the society there. So at our peril should we do that. We have to, as business, as civil society and as government, come together. We have to seek ways uh, to uh, align our agendas uh, to a common purpose and to a common outcome uh, and, uh, and really uh, work uh, effectively. And there are a number of initiatives at the moment, things like the PPGI, the Public-Private Growth Initiative, that is actually working under the radar to some extent that really I think is going to forge closer links and relationships within each of the business sectors uh, that, uh, that we operate in South Africa. Well, that's a good mindset because we've always thought that business and polit political leaders come from different ideologies and they can yeah. never speak to each other, they speak past each other. Yeah, they do. But I, I feel very strongly if, if um, you're in a leadership role in, uh, in business, then you have to be, by default, an activist. Mm. That stepping back and perhaps drawing a line and saying that politics um, uh, doesn't, cannot come into a business environment. And politics is a way of life. How Absolutely. do you exclude yourself Absolutely. from life? Absolutely. And we're, we're probably, I think, at this point, in our young democracy, we are in a situation where the political dynamic has uh, the greatest charge it ever has. Mm. Uh, and uh, as we've seen, there's lots of uh, uh, infighting and dynamics between the political parties, but we've got to understand how we can collectively come together to drive economic growth. Uh, without that, uh, then we have a very troubled future. Yeah, we can't keep on growing at 1%, 1.2%. Oh, no. It's unacceptable. Yeah. You believe that the key ingredient to drive inclus an inclusive future for all South Africans is education. Mm. I just came across um, something, the University of Kansas in the US now offers a class called Angry White Male Studies, which <laughs> explores uh, the sources of emotional, of this emotional state since mm. the 1950s in America and Britain. I know you don't know too much about the course mm. content, mm. but what's your visceral reaction to such a course in the context of transformation yeah. in South Africa? Well, it conjures up all sorts of thoughts. I mean, in, in Kansas, of all, all places, mm -hmm. I mean, I wonder in the course, do they, as part of the course, do they put white uh, uh, pillowcases? We shall not go uh, there. On, um, <laughs> yeah. But uh, um, I, I can understand why uh, we have and we see around the world angry white males because let's face it uh, white males are the most privileged uh, uh, individuals uh, in the global economy um, really even when they're orphans um, absolutely absolutely um, and that's a that's a privilege there's there's a huge amount of history i think behind that um, and the anger perhaps comes from the threat or the change that uh, we see we see happening uh, around the world, um, but being angry is um, is a very negative state of energy. I think, and uh, uh, there have we have to find ways. Perhaps the course is seeking to do this to harness that energy in a positive direction uh, and embracing diversity um, and uh, engaging. Uh, on the um, the journey or the change that is taking place, I think is really what uh, excites me as a uh, as a happy white male 
Because, um, you know, I'm always fascinated. What is so threatening about the rest of us? Why? Well, because it's, it represents, uh, it represents uh, a change, the privilege. So it's just the change. It's well, just I, I think that's a major driver. Yeah. I think there's always um, a fear of, of unknown. There's a prejudice that comes through uh, whether it's a, a religious barrier, a racial barrier, a gender barrier. Um, there is a prejudice that comes about which is made up of a bias which can be either conscious or unconscious. It's, it's, it's almost baked into how we're brought up in our families, in our communities, in the societies that we participate in. And anything that is seen as different to that is a threat initially. And uh, I think that's where some of the negative energy really erupts from and and that's what we've got to get over and and uh, embrace the the learning opportunity and the um, and the discomfort of oh, something new absolutely because from there isn't that where creativity and innovation comes absolutely. in absolutely you know? yeah yeah well maybe yeah. you should be a guest speaker at the course but anyway <laughs> we have to wrap up now mm. um is there some wisdom you want to leave us with just in general, anything that you want us to remember you by? <laughs> <laughs> well, the, the people that I'm working with at the moment, whether they are my colleagues at IQ Business, um, my clients, our clients out in the marketplace, uh, or uh, indeed our competitors in the South African marketplace, one of the, the things that I'm really pushing hard at the moment is to deal with what I would call the inferiority complex mm. in South Africa. That uh, we were a closed market for so many years. And indeed, over the last 25 years, we've been very inwardly focused in dealing with our own challenges and opportunities here. And there seems to be a view that uh, this is almost like a Jurassic Park, that we have um, not progressed. The rest of the world has progressed ahead of us. And in order for us to make progress, we have to go and leverage whether it is American, European, Indian firms to bring their knowledge and experience into, into our marketplace. And the, the situation really couldn't be further uh, from that, uh, that perspective. And that we've got to um, really back ourselves. We have a cottage industry of many consulting companies here that have expertise that is world-class. And indeed, we're working in London, in Hong Kong at the moment, and I mentioned some of the African countries. Um, last year, we did a project in South Korea. Uh, we're following in the footsteps of whether it's South African breweries and yeah. being one of the most successful companies in the world, or Discovery yeah. with the Vitality Program, which is taking the world by storm. Things happen here in that a way we can that, export. Oh, we absolutely can. We've got to back know. ourselves. I know that. I love that. I really believe that we undermine ourselves. We do. Well, we I'm do. happy. I hope they will listen coming from you. Great. Thank you for listening to this episode of Wisdom Personified Conversations with Durum Somi. Please also like, follow and subscribe to our channel and share the wisdom with your friends. I would love it if you could rate and review as well. Wisdom Personified, Conversations with Dudum Somi is also available on YouTube, Facebook Watch, Apple and Google Podcasts, as well as Spotify. Enjoy.
The Wisdom Journey.